It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the program tonight. This is a Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, December 2nd, 2010. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight on the Virtual Bible good Study. To be back with As you always. Tonight. Yeah, good to be with you tonight and uh, uh, looking forward to the discussion. We look forward to hearing from you. We're glad you're on the other end of the line tonight. We hope you'll take a minute to join in the discussion. 877-381-4567 is a toll-free number to use. Or you can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. And if you're watching our video feed from thevirtualbiblestudy.com, you can join in the chat room there with other listeners. And several listeners are there already. And uh, there'll be more coming in. Uh, so we're looking forward to hearing from you in any of the uh, medium mediums that we have available for you tonight. A lot of ways to contact us, and we need your input. As you said, Jacob, we think it's better when we get our listener input, and so we're looking forward to hearing from you. We've got a topic that we hope is uh, timely and important and will be helpful tonight. We we uh, have chosen the topic of self-control at year's end. Okay. Self-control is something we always need. Okay. The Bible teaches a lot about being self-disciplined, self-controlled kind of people. And that, and so it's obviously something that Christians need to work at all the time. But it seems that there are some particular challenges that are associated here with year-end things, Jacob. Right. And so we're going to talk about those on the program tonight. Uh, self-control. There are, there are dangers, I guess, uh, temptations that are different at different times of the year, different situations that we're in. Well, you think about you think about spring and summer hot weather, you know, people doing some things uh, relative to immodest dress or some activities associated with summertime that Christians have to be very careful about. Mm-hmm. So that time of year has its challenges. Uh, I would I would guess that every time of year has its own particular challenges, but certainly here at the end of the year, things are going on that do put Christians uh, at a decision point. That's what we want to talk about. All right. There may be many that we haven't thought of, and so if you think of some temptations uh, along the lines of self-control, send those in tonight. Uh, But what are some that you uh, think? Well, these are the ones I picked out, Jacob, and sent out earlier today to our update list. We always remind you, if you're not on our list, you can be on our list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just put, add me to the list in the subject line. We will do that. If you've been getting our emails, but somehow that you stopped getting them, know that we have not purged our mailing list, and it may be that you're getting uh, getting our messages diverted into your spam folder. Check that. Okay. Uh, but here's the questions that we sent out earlier today. Number one, what biblical principles are applicable to the problem of excessive spending at this time of the year? Mm-hmm. Seems to me that that's a challenge that a lot of Christians face. They they just kind of go overboard with the spending, gift giving, and all that sort of thing, and then get themselves in some trouble uh, ongoing thereafter. So we want to talk about that. There are, I think, there are some biblical principles that apply to excessive spending at any time of the year. This time of the year, in particular. Number two, what dangers are present in the area of worldliness 
during this season. Worldliness, okay. That's that's kind of a broad area. And you may have, uh, if you're listening, you may have several subje- suggestions about things that constitute worldliness mm-hmm. during this season. Number three, what tests can a Christian use to ensure that he's maintaining proper priorities throughout this busy holiday season? One of the one of the things that's very obvious, Jacob, is that this is a really a busy time of year. Okay. And people allow themselves to get involved in a whole lot of things and maybe lose sight of their spiritual priorities. And so we want to talk about that. Well, okay, yeah, we can talk about that because there's lots of things to pull us in different directions other than yeah. towards God. Yeah. And then finally, we got one specific area that has been suggested. What does the Bible teach about gluttony? Ooh. Okay. This no, is we're a week late for that. Well, I mean, all, from Thanksgiving all the way through New Year's, we've got all kinds of sweets and desserts and everything else just stacked up. And uh, it's, uh, but I, I, I told you, and our, our engineer tonight is Anthony. Both you guys are skinny guys. When we get to that, I'm going to be quiet and let you all talk. Well, uh, Anthony, I think both agree that uh, it, your size doesn't determine whether you can be gluttonous or not. Anthony, we've got the Anthony cam on tonight. Anthony, you, you, you need to let everybody see that. Uh, you, hopefully you haven't been engaged in the sin of gluttony too much. Uh, Try not to, but you're right. I think as we get into that discussion, it uh, you know just your your size doesn't necessarily indicate whether you're guilty of that. So okay, uh, we'll see. All right, uh, I right. look forward to that. So those are the, the those are the four questions and sort of the four general areas that we want to attack in our study tonight. But hope, hopefully our listeners can see that these all fit together in the general theme of dangers of the season, the need for self control. Here at the end of the year. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com or join in the chat room. With other listeners, the chat room is filling up tonight, and so there should be a good discussion there. Well, what about uh, our spending? That's the first question you ask. What principles govern our spending at this time of year? Well, you know, there's a lot of enticements to be spending money, uh, and and a lot of people get wound up in that, you know, and the idea, and it's not selfish spending usually. It's not that I'm, I'm, I personally want this and this and this, therefore I want to borrow and spend and get in debt for no, myself. Not necessarily. Most often at this time of year, it's people spending to give gifts, uh, and it, but even at that, they get themselves in trouble. Over their giving, so I, I think it is something worth talking about. Is it wrong to, uh, or do we even need to be concerned about our spending if we're giving it to someone else? What do you think about that? Well, I think it does become a problem if we get ourselves into debt, okay, a debt that we can't reasonably expect to repay, or debt that we, we incur so many expenses that then, in order to pay off that debt, we have to forsake some other things that need to be done. Okay, for instance, I, I might give. A lot of lavish gifts to my children, my grandchildren. My children, I'm not—they're out of luck. But my grandchildren might get a whole lot of stuff. I hope it doesn't make a lot of noise. (laughs) But but then because I've spent so much on you know excessive gift giving, even though it's for someone now, in order to pay off those charge cards when they come in, or even to make the minimum payments on them when they come in. I've got to maybe cut back, scale back my contribution to the Lord's church. Or you've got to get a, a second job that requires you to be away from your family. And- or i got to do something that, in other words, something's going to, going to be uh, shortchanged because I spent too much money uh, in giving gifts. Okay. And so I think there there is a principle here that we need to apply. First of all, for Christians, if you spend money, 
you got to pay your debts. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's you know you can't spend without a realization of the fact that you have to pay your debts when they come in. Jim in Mount Pleasant responded to this question very simply when he said, "Oh, no man anything." And there he's referencing Romans 13 verse 8. That's exactly what it says, "Oh, no man anything." And so I'm to be as a Christian, I'm to be the kind of person who pays my debts. I pay what I owe. Okay. And so I, I, I think as he, Jim goes on and says, one needs to be very careful not to let greed, envy, or covetousness guide you in your purchases. Uh, I, I thought Mike from uh, Orleans, Indiana, had an interesting take on this. He referenced Luke 12, verse 15. Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And then he asked the question, could you imagine Jesus getting out at midnight and waiting in line outside Walmart and then trampling others for the Black Friday 5 a.m. specials? What do you think? <laughs> no, it is hard to imagine, you know, um, so I agree. And, and, you know, as I think we'll see through this study, when you think about people in Bible times, it was such a different, a different time. I mean, these people were living hand-to-mouth, as it were, living from meal to meal. And so when we think about ourselves today, and especially in, in America, we we are definitely wealthy and rich compared to what they were experiencing. They, they probably they may have been standing in line, and even today people are standing in line for the stores to open up so they can get enough food for supper tonight. Yeah, well, that's not what we're talking about right. here, obviously. Right, but it's, uh, a, it's a different world. It, in it, but to Anthony's point, at that time, and in and, and whatever society you live in today where that is, Jesus still can, can, commands us to be content with what we have. Yeah, and, 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 and so we, 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 we struggle, well, I've got to be content. I can't get the latest gadget. I can't get the latest iPhone or whatever. And it's such a struggle and a burden for me. That's Jesus wasn't even, I mean, that, that's, that the, that's the point. There in that statement, Luke twelve fifteen, Jesus was talking to people, Anthony, who were just living basically one day at a time. And he even warned them, take heed, beware of covetousness. Right. If they needed the warning... Well, man, we need the we we need the warning multiplied thousands Absolutely. of times over. Right. So we definitely have to be, uh, as I think Jim mentioned, we have to beware of covetousness in regards to the purchase we make. Jeff uh, uh, says, Jeff here in Columbia, Tennessee says, we as Christians are supposed to be the light of the world, as it states in Matthew five fourteen through sixteen. In this time of the year, we often hear people say, "I want this," instead of, "How can I help others?" As Christians, we are to have the attitude of humility shown in Titus 3.2, as stated in Matthew 19.19 and in Matthew 22.39. It tells us we're to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. So, uh, certain, Jeff sort of concentrates on the idea of excessive spending for self, which can be a problem. But either way, if we as Christians are going to get wound up in this spending thing, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and all of that, we, we need to be on guard, especially about covetousness. Uh, uh, again, you 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 run up the bills. You got to pay them. You got to pay the debts when they come. Proverbs, or, or, excuse me, Psalms thirty-seven, verse twenty-one: The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. It's a wicked thing to borrow with, it, and some people do it with the intention of not repaying it. They don't even have a plan for repaying. They just spend it. That's right. a wicked thing. All right. Uh, the problem is, Anthony, we've got to be aware of the temptation and. The devil is as tempting us with that comes in the mail in the in the circulars and the advertisements can, telling us again and again you got to have more stuff to be happy. Uh, you're not going to have a good holiday season unless you got a big pile of stuff to, to, to go through. 
Right. I, you know, I found myself having to just put those Black Friday ads away because, you know, you start yeah. looking at it, I was like, mm, I might need that. Or it's like, no, we don't need, you know, we don't need any That's of this what stuff. I did too. That's what I did, too. I refused to look at them because there wasn't anything in any of them that I needed or, you know, and it, it was just a temptation to spend. Uh, one of the favorite verses that Dave Ramsey on the radio uses is Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. That's the New American Standard version of that verse. And and uh, he often reports, uh, re- repeats, the the borrower is slave to the lender. Right. And, and so you know we got to we got to realize we don't want to become enslaved because we couldn't control ourselves in regards to the things that we were spending. We're slaves to our stuff. Yeah. Uh, Jack in the, is in the chat room tonight. He says, debt essentially makes us slave to the one who provides the loan, and it does, and uh, we need to be careful of that. And uh, certainly uh, when we have so much in this country, uh, we need to really think twice before we go into debt for more stuff that's uh, not essential. Yeah, Danny provides what is ultimate common sense. Uh, Dan, I think this is Danny in Mississippi that says, don't spend what you do not have. Pretty good rule. Yeah. <laughs> Seems reasonable. Yeah. Uh, so again, but remember especially that covetousness is a sin. Uh, in Colossians chapter three, beginning verse two, it says, "Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth: fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry." Don't you think that that in America? I mean, we don't have idols. You just don't go. You don't go places and see places where people have set up idols. Typically, our idol has become materialism, and we covet things, and that's what we bow down to. That's the that's the object. I was thinking along those lines today, and certainly uh, it is a problem in America. We should not think that you know the Bible tells us over and over again about <laughs> idolatry. We shouldn't think that something has changed in the human psyche today that wasn't true two thousand years ago. Two thousand years ago, the human uh, psyche was uh, tempted along the lines of idols. But today, in the year two thousand, something's changed. Maybe we've gotten more intelligent. Someone might say, and we don't have the problem with idolatry anymore. We do. We have as much problem with it today as they did uh, when the instructions were written two thousand years ago. Exactly right. Um, you guys were saying, you and Anthony were saying that even a skinny man can be gluttonous. Yeah. Even a poor man can be covetous. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in First Timothy chapter six, beginning verse six, it says, "Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows." Notice he doesn't say the rich fall into many temptations. He says they that will be rich, the ones who want to be rich, those who have that covetous attitude are putting themselves in a very dangerous spiritual condition. All right. One thing we need to comment on as we go, uh, and uh, we probably need to close this uh, this topic up uh, shortly on the other side of the break, but uh, Matthew 7, verse 1 is important. Anytime we're talking about financial things, judge not that you be not judged. There's some judgments sure. in, in the area of finances. And uh, we need to be careful that we don't apply our standards of personal finance to others. And, and there's some there's some judgment calls. We need to follow the biblical principles, and we need to teach those that's to right. on those. Well, that's just like everything we talk about uh, from the Bible standpoint. I mean, uh, we're not trying to impose personal opinions here, but the Bible does have things to say about You know, if, if you if you incur a debt, you've got to be able to pay it off. Right, right. It warns about covetousness, uh, certainly applicable in our day and time. 
And so, you know, we've got to we got to be aware of that, and we've got to be on guard, especially in a time of year like this. But it, with every time about finances, people have it's a very opinionated subject. People have opinions. You ought to bank where I bank, and you don't, and or I don't know why you wouldn't. And uh, it, it, it almost gets to the level of sinfulness if you don't uh, make the same financial decisions I do. Finally, one, one last verse, and I think you're right. We probably need to move on, but one last verse along this idea of the materialism associated with them with this season is from Ecclesiastes 5, beginning verse 10. Here's Solomon, potentially the richest man who ever lived in the history of the world. And he said, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And and what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? Mm -hmm. So Solomon, you know, when he was thinking straight, could realize, you know, this is not the real route to happiness. All right. We'll take a break, and we'll get back on the other side. Uh, we, those, we could say those who are satisfied with presents or uh, love presents will not be satisfied <laughs> with, with gain. All right. Uh, we'll take a break, and we'll continue the discussion on the other side. We look forward to hearing from you in the chat room, over email, or over the phone tonight. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Do you remember a time when no one had ever heard of a church with a family life center or a gymnasium? Can you think back to a time when good brethren would have been outraged to see a church budget overloaded with kitchen equipment and supplies, athletic equipment, and buses to carry kids to amusement parks? Are you concerned because the church you're attending has gotten all wrapped up in things that you know should not even be a part of the work of the church? Would you like to find a congregation that is committed to simply doing Bible things in Bible ways? If so, please visit the College U Church of Christ. Come see for yourself. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. We appreciate you being on the other end of the line. Anthony's behind the controls tonight. We appreciate him being here. Anthony, as you think about uh, the spending at this holiday season, what, what thoughts come to your mind? Well, I was just going to say, you know, we talked touched earlier about the idea of you know, of course, obviously, if you're spending money on yourself any time of the year, if you're going overboard and being covetous or getting into debt for your own personal desires, that's one thing. But at this time of year, as Greg mentioned, there's a lot of gift giving and so forth. But I was going to say that, you know, we could be giving gifts for the wrong reasons. You know, maybe if it initially might be out of love or desire to make somebody happy, but if, then if we start giving gifts so that we can outdo somebody else or so that we can give the most lavish gift so that somebody sees that oh they got them a, you know a new car wow you know I, i've heard folks at work or whatever talk about how much they spent on christmas as if it was some sort of it's a status exactly and so that's definitely yeah, a but you know and, I, and a lot of the advertising campa campaigns at this time of the year are geared exactly that way you know the the the, oh, he went to that jeweler, you know, and you're so impressed that he went to that jeweler or he bought that car for his wife. And it's, it's, it, very, they very much play on that kind of, uh, immoral attitude. Right, right. So, that your, your marriage is just based upon what kind of material things you can provide for one another. And certainly, uh, that is not scriptural yeah. either. Anthony in Charlotte, North Carolina says, we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands. That's, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11. And he emphasizes to lead a quiet life. That's what we need to be trying to do. Uh, uh, what else we got here? 
Jack, uh, I think this is Jack in Hampshire, Tennessee, says, Ephesians 5, 5, for this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And I believe, I had that up a minute ago. That's, uh, is that 1 Corinthians... First Corinthians five verse eleven, I believe. Okay, all right. So, so uh, again, just if it you is just, not First Corinthians chapter five verse eleven, but it that, no, it's not. It's okay. Ephesians chapter five verse. Oh, it is. Yeah, he had it. He had it in his in his list there. Okay, okay. Uh, but you have to be impressed with the the volume of warnings that are in the scripture. I mean, one warning is enough, obviously, in the Word of God. But when you see him repeated again and again, it's yelling at us. It is yeah, a yeah, this is danger. Okay. okay. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Please take a minute and comment. Let us know your thoughts. We look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. What are some dangers? We've talked about some, and we've outlined some that we want to talk about, but what are some uh, dangers in the area of self-control that you uh, uh, perceive in this time of year? What are some specific temptations? Again, the temptation to have self-control may present itself in different ways in different times of the year. What are some, some specific areas where you see the temptation presenting itself at this time of year? We look forward to hearing from you. All right. Uh, let's go to our second question, Jacob. Uh, what dangers are present in the area of worldliness during this season? Now, that's, as we said earlier, that's a pretty generic category. So you may come up with some specifics here. I've got a couple of specifics in mind, but we've got some emails back. And we've already talked about one of them, materialism. Materialism is a form of worldliness, right? Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee says, see the answers from the first question. Uh, and, and that's what he's saying. What we were talking about, really, covetousness and material, materialism are worldliness. Okay. He says, sometimes we want to impress people with what we buy for others. That's what you were suggesting, Anthony. I think that's exactly right. Uh, you got... Uh, another one there. I got one from Mike here in Orleans, Indiana. It says, I personally have dealt with several families from our area who are looking for help with Christmas presents during this time of year. In the beginning, I felt sorry for others who could not afford Christmas presents. Then I realized that we have become a society who has been trained to believe that we don't receive several expensive gifts during this Christmas season, then that something is wrong. Is life all about getting? That seems to be the attitude of those asking for Christmas gifts. And he, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I get those same kind of calls. I think that that is a little bit troubling. Hey, he said, remember the words of Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, Acts 20, verse 35. find it ironic that a holiday that was begun to supposedly remember Christ rarely does that and mostly focuses upon materialism and worldliness, uh, two things that Jesus was opposed to. Sometimes those folks will have the audacity to ask for very expensive gifts, like game systems more expensive than I would buy for my own children, that uh, when I was when I started thinking... If I were poor, uh, I could not afford a simple Christmas gift for my family members. Maybe I ought to be asking for help on the utility bill, groceries, or some other necessary item if I'm living so close to poverty. It's pretty hard to play a game system when the power goes out. So uh, I guess he's just illustrating that priorities get out of whack. Yeah, and and again, I think he suggests the idea of our culture has become accustomed to thinking this is this is necessity. This is, I mean, giving gifts giving and receiving even expensive gifts is absolute necessity, and it's not. So that, that I, probably what that illustrates is just how easy it is for us to become conditioned by the culture. Right. And, and we set our norms based upon what the society says it should be. And that's a danger. It is a danger. Anthony, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I agree. I, the, I've had you know thought of that same dilemma when it comes to the you know toys for tots or whatever. And I think there's a fine line there. Um, you know, on one hand, there's you know, something about you know doing something to kind of warm a child's heart or or put a smile on a child's face. But on another, on the other hand, there's the idea of encouraging materialism and and worldliness. So uh, definitely an interesting uh, point there. Um, Jeff uh, here in Columbia, Tennessee says uh, we are more tempted to not be content with what we have been uh, to not be content with with what we have been blessed, as stated in verses like Luke three fourteen, Hebrews thirteen five, Philippians four eleven. We have been told to be content with what we have because Hebrews thirteen five tells us that He has said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." So contentment is uh, is the idea there that Jeff is stressing. I got an email from <clears throat> Sharon uh, in South Carolina who says, just heard a lesson on the sins of the season, and one point was no one has the right to change the account of Jesus' birth. We don't know the date of his birth, and we aren't commanded to remember the birth, but rather we are to remember his death. We don't know how many wise men there were. The shepherds weren't present at the birth. Jesus was in a house when they visited Another point discussed a couple of weeks ago, which many believe is a matter of conscience, singing religious songs accompanied by mechanical instruments of music. And we did touch on that a couple of weeks ago. So she suggests those are some of the other dangers of the season. Yeah, you, and um, I think we have studied that. I was looking for the uh, exact episode. We, uh, we, we dealt extensively with uh, misconceptions around the holidays. She mentioned several there. Yeah, yeah. In in our archives of the virtual Bible study, we've had I think at least two whole episodes on on the the Christmas uh, holiday and yeah. and some of the things that are wrong with it and some of the things that are not accurate to even the scripture about uh, you can the refer- birth of Jesus. You can reference December twenty first, two thousand six, Christmas dangers, and uh, perhaps the one Sharon uh, references. Uh, some of the things Sharon references are found in December twenty second, two thousand and five, first year of the virtual Bible study. What about Christmas? Okay, all right, so there's a couple of whole episodes there on the Virtual Bible Study. If you want to go back in the archives, you can find those. And by the way, we remind you that the archives, uh, after five years and over 250 episodes, serve as a pretty good resource of, of information on all kinds of subjects. So go there and you might find something. If you're studying any particular subject, you might find something that, that would be a help. All right, uh, what about, uh, you know, uh, there is a, uh, an alcoholic beverage this time of year that people drink. I don't know. I've never tasted uh, the non-alcoholic ver- version of the beverage, so I don't know if it's, I mean, if, uh, it sounds pretty disgusting to me, egg non. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I, well, I, Anthony, I, what do you think about it? Oh, man, you, don't take my eggnog away. Uh, of course, the non-alcoholic version. You like but, it, huh? Oh, it's fabulous. Oh, oh man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, never, I never cared for that. But, of course, we're talking about the drinking. In regards to worldliness, one of the things that, Seems people seem to think they have license at this time of year is is drinking, yeah. and there's going to be office parties and different kinds of social gatherings, and there's going to be a lot of drinking done uh, both at Christmas time and especially at New Year's. You're going to see a lot of that going on, and so that is a danger. I, I would hope, I sincerely hope that Christians can be strong enough not to be even tempted by that, but I don't know that that's the case. Well, we got a lot of people in the chat room who are stirred up about the eggnog. They're with you, Anthony, on that. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we got some wise folks out there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, remember uh, a, a lot of the things we've talked about. Again, this is something we've talked about in the virtual Bible study before, 
about drinking, especially about the idea of social drinking. We've talked about some of the arguments that people try to use to justify that it's okay to drink in moderation. For instance, they'll make the argument that Jesus, at a social gathering, at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee, John chapter 2, made like 150 or 200 gallons of wine for the people to consume, therefore sort of stamping his approval on the fact that you could drink drink pretty abundantly and be okay in a in sort of a social or party atmosphere. People present that argument like it's the it's the rock solid ironclad argument. You can't def- the, you, that is the one of the weakest I think in support of of drinking alcohol. Oh yeah, I, I just think that misses the mark entirely. The the, the argument you, you, if you take that slant on John chapter 2 You'd have to believe the people were already so drunk they couldn't tell good wine from bad, and then Jesus made them about 200 gallons more of wine to drink uh, to drink a bunch more. And uh, of course, that that doesn't work, and that would actually have made Jesus in violation of a of a scriptural principle stated in Habakkuk 2:15, which says, "Woe to him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him and makest him drunken also." And that was under the law that Jesus was living under. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so you've got the problem here. If you if you take that slant on John 2 at the wedding feast of Cana of Galilee and Jesus making intoxicating wine for people who are already tipsy, then you got him violating that biblical principle, and he didn't do that. You've got to remember that in the in the Scripture that the, the word wine... While it effectively always means intoxicating wine, when we use that word in our modern day usage, in the Bible, it does not necessarily mean intoxicating. You've got to let the context bear that out. Good proof of that, remember Isaiah 65, verse 8, where it says, Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, Do not destroy it, and so forth. Here's the juice of the grape still in the cluster, hanging on the vine. And it's called wine. That proves that in the Bible, wine, sometimes and, and frequently, I think perhaps, I don't know, I'd, I'd be afraid to say whether it's more one way or the other, but frequently the word wine is used to represent what we would call grape juice. A lot of arguments we could present, but uh, the argument that Jesus made wine, and, and they called it good wine, fails to understand the historical uh, viewpoint of wine in that, those days. Good wine was considered the wine that was not fermented. Uh, by many uh, historical accounts. And so uh, they, this was e- exceptional wine that Jesus made, and it was non, non-alcoholic. non Yeah. Anthony? Well, I was just going to say, I hadn't actually heard that, but it would make sense to think about how much harder would it be to keep the, the grape juice from fermenting than, it, than to let it ferment. You know, yeah. So that would that makes logical sense, what you just said. Okay. But, they, but we know that they did have means to keep grape juice from fermenting. That's another argument. The argument is often made they, that all wine was fermented because they didn't know how to keep it from fermenting, and that's not true. Uh, we know, and there's various sources from antiquity that describe n- numerous methods that they employed to keep grape juice in an unfermented state. Um, I think through the years, probably my favorite argument against the idea of social drinking, that Christians ought not to drink at all, is 1 Timothy 5, verse 23, when Paul told Timothy, drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. This proves, here's Timothy, a faithful Christian of the first century, and it proves what his normal practice was. His normal practice was not to drink any at all, he had to be instructed to take some for a medicinal benefit. A little. 
a little and for a, a medicinal benefit. But if he was drinking a little with his dinner every night, because that's the only kind of grape juice you could get, then why give the instruction? That's right. I mean, we got we. And what we have here is proof that first century Christians were absolute abstainers from drinking, uh, and and so you know. Uh, again, we're bringing this up. We've talked about drinking before, but we're bringing this up because it is one of the dangers of worldliness associated with this holiday season. As as these various office parties and work gatherings and social events are taking place, people are going to drink. They're going to drink. In fact, some of those office parties are notorious for for being sort of drunken bouts, and and that of course is condemned in a passage like First Peter four, verses three through four. Uh, Peter writes, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excessive riot, speaking evil of you. I was thinking earlier today that this verse may have particular application to those holiday office parties or work parties. They're going to be engaged in excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, by the way, those are three different levels of drinking, sort of in descending order. Excessive wine is is the most, but it's not even drunken. It's, the, it's, it's less. Party. It's less than being drunk. Drunk is wrong. This is less than being drunk. It's still wrong. Revelings is even less than that. Banquetings is even less than that. Banquetings is a reference to drinking without any indication of amount. And so Peter is saying any kind of drinking at all is condemned for the Christian. And people are going to think you're odd that you don't do that. Mm-hmm. He said. And Peter even says. So if you went to, a, if if you had to be at an office party, you couldn't escape it. It was a mandatory kind of. Thing. And you said, no, I'm not drinking. They would think you odd. And Peter said, you can expect that. So just go ahead and live with it. All right, uh, good uh, comments tonight. Uh, we re- referenced uh, an earlier program. That is August seventeenth, two 2006. Can a Christian drink alcohol? We'd encourage you to reference that uh, program if you'd like more information about what we believe the Bible teaches on the subject. If you have any comments and uh, maybe you disagree with us, we'd like to hear from you anytime. Uh, send us an email and let us know your thoughts. We need to take a break, uh, but quickly, Lancer fan in the chat room says that areas of worldliness at this time of year, parties with drinking, dancing, and risque jokes are problems. Risque jokes, that takes place in those office parties, too. Okay. All right, very good. Okay. We need to take a break, get this week's bullet point, and when we get back, uh, we've got some more discussion. Our priorities, they can get shifted out of whack at this time. We need need to make sure that we uh, think about that. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue the discussion with your comments right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Take a look at the divided religious world around us. Hundreds of different groups are teaching different doctrines and practicing different creeds. To the uninitiated, it is surely a confusing and frustrating situation. How can a person know who's right? How can we be sure what God wants us to do? Well, here are some essential guidelines. First, remember that we're searching for God's answer, not man's. Worship is in vain when it follows for doctrines the commandments of men. Matthew 15, verse 9. Secondly, God's truth is revealed solely and exclusively in the Bible. Despite many claims to the contrary, no one today has received spiritual truth in any other way than from God's Word. John 17:17 17, 17 says, Thy Word is truth. 
And then remember that not only is truth found in God's word, but we can have confidence that every bit of truth we need is there. The scriptures teach us everything we need to be, quote, complete, furnished completely into every good work. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. And also, remember that the Bible says there are many false teachers in the world and warns us to, quote, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. 1 John 4, verse 1. Finally, we must be determined to accept God's word and nothing else. Quote, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Galatians 1, verse 9. Understanding how important it is to know who is right in matters of religion, it behooves us all to carefully consider what we believe and what we've been doing. Jesus said we can know the truth. John 8, verse 32. Therefore, let us study his word. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. And we're back to the program tonight. We appreciate you being here. We have uh, the ability to take your phone calls with comments tonight. Anthony's behind the controls, and he'll get your call queued up and ready to go. If you'd give us a call toll-free, 877-381-4567. The email is up and working, and the chat room is open as well. If you'd like to give yourself a username in the chat room or a nickname, you don't have to have an account. In the bottom left-hand corner of the chat window, it says Edit Nickname. and There'll be a guest with some numbers after it. Uh, that signifies you. Just type, uh, click on that uh, the guest there, and it'll bring up a box that'll allow you to type in your name. You can use any name. You can use a fake name if you like. A, a, a pen name or a pseudonym. A su- yeah, that. And, uh, <laughs> and then you can uh, join in the discussion, and we can put a name with your comments. We're looking forward to hearing from you. And uh, there are dangers at this time of year. I want to go to one thing right, right quick before we move to priorities, Jacob. Uh, Lancer fan in the chat room mentioned parties with drinking. We talked about that. And risque jokes. He also mentions dancing, which seems to be something that goes along with the season. And uh, real quickly, uh, a couple of things that we might tie in. Galatians 5, beginning verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Two things there. One word is revelings. And uh, Lydell and Scott defines reveling as a jovial festivity with music, dancing, a carousal, and merrymaking. Almost sounds like some of those holiday parties sure we've been does. talking about. Sure does. Vincent says festival entertainment that was accompanied by carousing and dancing. So revelings is one of the works of the flesh going to keep you out of heaven. And another of them that's there is lasciviousness. And lasciviousness is defined by Vine as... Uh, denoting excess, licentiousness, absence of restraint, indecency, indecency, wantonness, shameless outrages on public decency. I think he was at some of those office parties. That sounds like it. Thayer says it's wanton acts or manners as filthy words, indecent bodily movements, unchaste handling of males and females. He seems like he was exactly defining modern dancing. Yep. And then Webster simply says lasciviousness is tending to produce lewd emotions. 
And so all of that would go with that kind of wild merrymaking that, is, that associates with things going on sometimes at the end of the year. Christians have got to avoid all of that. Got to be on guard. Nice work for the charts there, Anthony. You pulled those quotes up just as fast as you could get them out. He's typing fast. <laughs> thanks, thanks. He's quick, he's quick on that keyboard. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We've got to be on guard. There are dangers at this time of year, as there are any time of the year. But we've got to be on guard on how the devil's going to tempt us. And we're talking about ways that he can, and I would look forward to hearing from you. Appreciate those comments from Lancer fan. All right, the, the, the third question we asked, Jacob, was what test, what, and what we mean here is self-test. I need to evaluate myself. How can I be sure that I'm maintaining proper priorities throughout the busy holiday season? I mean, there's a lot of things going to be demanding our attention, different places to go, people to see, things to do. How can I make sure that in the course of all that, I'm keeping my important spiritual priorities where they should be? Uh, what kind of things could help us to test for that? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Um, I got some suggestions here that might help. Let's look at our email. Uh, uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant says, uh, need to ask, am I spending within my budget? Is this something necessary or just to impress? And so he's still uh, on the, along the lines of, are you keeping your priorities relative to your finances? And and as we suggested earlier, that's an important consideration. If I spend too much and then I can't give uh, like I should be giving uh, in regards to my spiritual duties, that'd be a problem. So that that's uh, uh, certainly applicable. All right, Mike from Orleans, Indiana, uh, emails in and says, I think a good test is to examine what thoughts and activities make you busy during this holiday season you are consumed with. Are they related to building the family, building spiritually meaningful relationships with others and the Lord, or are your activities centered around stuffing our faces and filling our homes with possessions? Mm. Well, good question to ask. And Jeffrey says uh, Christians should do a mental check not only at the end of the year uh, and ask themselves, uh, do, do it all year, and ask themselves, do I have my mind on the right priorities? Proverbs 23, 7 tells us that, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you got to keep you got to keep thinking about things that are important. And I think we figured out who Lancer fan is in the chat room because he's awful fond of that guy in Mount Pleasant named Jim. So he may have. Well, that, okay, Lancer fan, you're gonna have to explain that that uh, that pseudonym. I don't get that. I don't see the connection, Lancer. Man. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's not think about that too okay. much. Let's keep our priorities <laughs> yeah, 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 on the program yeah, yeah, here tonight. Yeah, it, got me, it got me confused. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, I, I, I got several suggestions here, Jacob, of how we can be sure, or, or at least tests that we can apply to help us understand if we're keeping our priorities in place. One good thing to ask is, what would other people say about me and my priorities? In other words, if my priorities are in the right place, then it should be evident to others. And if you were to ask others about me, what would they say? If, or if I was asked to others about you, Jacob. So here's Anthony over here, and I say, Anthony, if you were to if you were to think about Jacob, what do you think his priorities are? From what you know of him, what do you think his priorities are? That'd be that'd be a pretty good test, because other people are observing us in, in sort of a, a detached and more objective manner. You know, it's easy for me to say, oh, my priorities are right. i got my priorities just exactly lined out, just the way they should be. But maybe because not, we know what the right answer is. Because I know what my answer is supposed to be. Right. And so maybe what would help is if, if we thought, well, how would others perceive me? What would they think? 
concerning my priorities. Um, and, of course, there are a lot of verses like First Peter chapter 2, verse 12, having your conversation or manner of life honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Uh, so, you know, others are looking at us. What would What would they perceive our priorities to be? All right, that's a good way. Another way, Anthony, you and I have talked about this before. What do we think about during the day? That is a uh, a good indication of our priorities. Can't we be like the psalmist, which said in Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Right. I mean, it, you know, this really, this is a good kind of... Uh, check for you know for me and for hopefully for our listeners really at this time of year we get so wrapped up and so stressed out about uh you know do we have everybody checked off our christmas list and you know uh, keeping our schedule straight with this party or that party or going traveling here and there and if we're consumed with those kinds of thoughts and we're not taking time for example you know it Again, as Greg said, it may be hard for us to analyze ourselves in terms of whether our priorities are straight. But if if we're finding that we're not praying, you know, we're not engaging in prayer or we're not engaging in Bible study or doing these other things that maybe we normally do, we know we should do, then we know that those other things have kind of uh, crowded out our, our true priorities. If something's real important to me, I think about it fairly regularly. If I find out that I'm not thinking about spiritual things, I go all day long without thinking about it. And I don't think to pray, and I don't think I don't even it, it ever crosses my mind about God and my service to Him. Then it, it's it's going to be pretty hard to say that's my top priority if I never think about it. And of course, an associated thing there is is do I talk about it? Right. Do I ever think about it? Do I ever talk about it? Uh, do I spend time engaged in it? How do I spend my time? Here's an area where as we come upon this busy holiday schedule, how do I spend my time? And am I spending my time relative to these social events and family gatherings to the to the extent that it causes me to forsake assemblies? I miss the Bible studies. I'm not engaged like I should be in the work of the local church because I've got to go to all these parties. I've got to be with family. I've got to do all these social events. It's going to be hard to say that spiritual things are, are maintaining their proper priority spot if you're shoving these things out of the way for some of these other activities ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16 says see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil that's the king james version i believe the american standard version or revised standard version says making good use of the time yeah. spending the time wisely yeah. is the idea there i think maybe the best test of of where my priorities really lie is this test, what gives when I face a conflict of priorities? In other words, there's, every one of us is going to be faced with occasions where there's two things that we want to do at the same time. Uh, you know, And so whichever one I have to get rid of is not my top priority. The one that I hang on to is, my, is, is top or, or ranks higher in priority than the one I discarded. So let's say... There's this big Christmas party. You know, Christmas Eve this year is on Saturday. No, no, Christmas Christmas is on Saturday. Christmas is on Saturday, and so it may spill over into Sunday. There may be, you know, some of these activities uh, may keep me occupied, and so I might have to miss services that next Sunday because of, of these other things that I'm engaged in. Well, wouldn't it be pretty hard for me to 
persuade someone that spiritual things are most important in my life when I allowed these worldly events, these other activities, to keep me away from my spiritual service to God? I mean, I think that's that's almost the acid test, isn't it? Um, if we only serve God when it doesn't cost us anything, when, when if we only do it in our moments of convenience, then we're not very committed. Remember, David said in Second Samuel twenty four twenty four when he was offered, he needed to make a sacrifice to God. There was a man who offered him everything he needed to make that sacrifice, and he said, "No, I'll buy it from you." He says, "I will not offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God, which." of that which doth cost me nothing. Sacrifice, uh, service to God that, that doesn't cost us something is not real sacrifice. And it's and it it's an indication of our priorities. Indicates that we don't have our priorities where they need to be. You no, know, you talk about time. It's interesting. We can find time for the things that we want to do, the things that are important to us, and yet we say we don't have enough time to study like we should or attend worship services or talk to our neighbors about the, the Scriptures. And you, and you, can't, talk, right you can't talk about priorities uh, without mentioning Matthew 6.33. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things be added unto you. We need to take a break, or else we're not going to get into the subject of gluttony. Yeah. Maybe uh, do you want to get into the subject of gluttony tonight? Do we We got enough time? Yeah, yeah, we better. All right, we take better. a break, Anthony, and then we'll be back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Do you remember when no one would have thought twice about getting the church involved in daycare centers, kindergartens, softball leagues, and youth camps? Are you upset when churches spend more time and money on social programs and recreational activities than on spreading the gospel? Are you tired of seeing congregations with their emphasis in entirely the wrong areas? The College View Church is still preaching the same gospel and practicing the same things that you remember from years ago. They're committed to the idea of speaking where the Bible speaks and being silent where the Bible is silent. Check them out. Visit the College View Church of Christ. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, dangers in the area of self-control at this time of year. We have time for your comments over the phone, over email. Uh, or in the chat room tonight. We've got a long way to go to discuss gluttony. Oh, the last question we put out today was a specific. The others have been kind of general, but the last one was specific. What does the Bible teach about gluttony? I had a question come to me recently along those lines, and so uh, I think it's it's uh, certainly worth mentioning. It's a Bible subject, and uh, it, it may be kind of hurtful to some of us to think along these lines, especially at this time of year. Mike in Orleans, Indiana, in his email, uh, gave some good thoughts. He says, Vine's Expository Dictionary defines glutton as, quote, a belly. It is used in Titus 1.12 with the adjective argos, idle, metaphorically to signify a glutton. If I understand this properly, it is one who eats more than he needs, one who may also be gaining weight because he is eating a larger amount of food than is necessary to gain the energy to do his work, it seems that the idea carried behind it is eat only what you need, not what you might want. It seems closely connected to self-control and self-restraint. That's what we're talking about on this program, self-control here at the end of the year. He said, I found it interesting when studying the word gluttony that it was often translated simply eat in the majority of cases. Also associated with the word is the word wine-bibber, meaning drunkard. I find it str- a strange practice that we are adamant that drinking is sinful in our teaching, 
but often overlook gluttony that is placed on a parallel plane with drunkenness. If one could be convicted of drinking alcoholic beverage, one ought to feel the same guilt toward overeating. Well, that's pretty strong, but I, I couldn't disagree with, with his conclusion there. All right. Um, I would offer one, one warning, though, as we talk about this. We should not assume that everyone who is overweight is gluttonous. That's exactly right. Jesus encountered the same judgment in Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. They say, Behold, a gluttonous and a wine-bibber. Yeah. Uh, you can't look at a person's size and determine. You can't look at Anthony and say Anthony's not a gluttonous person. Yeah, maybe I just you know run ten miles a day and I eat maybe, like a maybe, cow. Maybe you 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 uh, binge and purge. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jim says the Bible teaches temperance in all things. I think that's a good observation. Uh, you know the difference. There is a difference between drinking and eating. You don't have to drink any. You do have to eat some. And so there's a difference there which would indicate that I can control the drinking thing real easy. I just don't drink any at all. Eating, I've got to eat some, so that, that engages in an area of judgment that I have to I have to, have to work on. You and Jim are in the, on the same brainwave tonight. You just sent that in in the chat room. Okay. Uh, and so, well, then that means that the temptation or the, uh, the demand to use self-control, Anthony, is even greater in the area of our, of our eating. Right, uh, that's an excellent point. I hadn't thought of it quite in those terms, but I think that really brings to light a, a very important point on this. Definitely a lot of judgment involved and, and makes the self-control aspect perhaps even harder. Yeah. Um, concerning gluttony, in the Old Testament, uh, the, the word literally, I think as Mike already suggested, means to eat too much, to eat in excess. And in Old Testament times, it was it was considered a sign of an undisciplined person and was often linked with drunkenness. Deuteronomy 21, beginning verse 18, If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him, and bring him out to the elders of the city, and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say to the elders of his, of his city, This our son is, a, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones, that he shall die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. So notice, the, the, here's, this, this kid was completely undisciplined, wasn't, couldn't control himself. Control. He was out of control. He was stubborn and rebellious. He was a glutton and a drunkard. And so uh, all of that suggests out of control. Now, I, I, I'm not saying, I, I don't believe it would be a fair conclusion to say that if you, that if you have a holiday meal, and you're together with family, and it's a wholesome event. We're not talking about some of these kind of wild parties we've been discussing tonight. And you happen to enjoy a little more than you would have normally eaten on a regular day or more sweets than you would normally eat on a regular day. I'm not saying that's a sin. I, I think it, I think we'd be going beyond to say that you've committed a sin in doing that. But this idea of out of control or excess is something we have to be concerned with. And, you know... Maybe some do cross that line, and we have to be on guard about it. Anthony? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think, you know, these people in these instances in the Bible where people are labeled a glutton, uh, I, that would imply that there was a pattern of behavior, that this was something that they did habitually, almost like an addiction. I mean, we can become addicted to all sorts of things. We can become addicted to food to where that has control over us. Um, and that's that would definitely, I don't think anybody would argue that that would fall into the category of gluttony, but I agree kind of with, with what Greg is saying. It, 
uh, you know, I don't see how we could necessarily peg well, you over eight at Thanksgiving. Uh, that was sinful. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Okay, 877-381-4567. If you hurry, you can get in on the phones, or we'll take your comments over uh, the chat room over email tonight. Um, uh, Anthony, to your point there, uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. Well, the power of any. And in the New American Standard Version, I will not be mastered by anything. And I think that's one of the verses that we use against being addicted to anything. You be, there are plenty of people addicted to food. And I'm, and, and I'm just not going to allow myself to be brought under the power of anything, Paul said. And that's the attitude we ought to have about food or anything else. All right. And then the scriptures over and over tell us again that we need to be temperate. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse 25. Every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. We're to be temperate or to have self-control. We must do that at the dinner table as well. Uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant said it is probably more of a problem in our country than in others. Greg may make a comparison between getting large amounts of food here and what he could get in Russia. Uh, you, you didn't have a problem with gluttony in Russia when you were there, did you? Right, right. Exactly right. The horse, the horse head uh, jello there didn't do it for you. <laughs> Uh, obesity is a huge problem, Jack says, in our in this country. We are fooling ourselves if we fail to address this issue. Uh, 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 real quick, uh, Jared in Cookville asked, is overeating wrong? And I think Jack in the chat room may have answered it. Uh, he says, so if you get drunk once in a while, is that okay? Obviously, no. Yeah. It doesn't have to uh, It doesn't have to be once in a while to, to not be gluttony. He's, he's saying, if... If getting drunk just once in a while is sinful drunkenness, then overeating just once in a while is also perhaps the out-of-control kind of thing that we're talking about tonight. Anthony? Yeah, that's a good point. That kind of is a little different take than I had had uh, offered, but no, that's a good point. And, you know, I keep coming back to uh, the the society and times in, in the Bible times, as we call it, you know, these people were, again, probably most of them, not all that we read about in the New Testament, but most were living meal to meal. And to see somebody stuff in their face, it's almost sort of like a slap in the face to them to say, you know, at that time that I could barely get enough to eat and here you are being excessive and wasteful. Yeah, they'd be flabbergasted at to at see what, the amounts of food yeah, that the, we consume. The supersizing yeah. and all that stuff. And I think it's a good point by Jack. I mean, our our society is is obsessed with with excess, not just in food, uh, but in everything, and, and in food as well. And I think that's a lot of the reason why we have gotten into this obesity epidemic, as they're calling uh, it. Sharon, Sharon in the chat room says, did you mention this one, Jacob? No. Sharon said, we have too much fast food, and our lifestyle has changed from when I was a child. I think that's true for lots of us who are older. I mean, things that used to have been just a, a special treat to us are commonplace. Now, I'm really dating myself now, but I can remember when... On the rare occasion we got to go to McDonald's, that was something special, extra special. How much did it cost? Well, I think hamburgers were 15 cents. Oh, imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, one other thing we should talk about on the, on the subject of gluttony, even today, it was a, it was a sign of, of sinfulness and out of control, being out of control in New Testament time, Old Testament time, still is today. And what kind of image are we presenting if uh, we are guilty of this? But again, I think we got to stress to a point that yep. not everyone who's overweight no. is guilty of no. gluttony. No, absolutely. By not. any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but in final conclusion, this would link back to our point on priorities. 
if if food becomes more important to me than anything else, then I've got my priorities out of place. Jesus said in Luke or John six, John six twenty seven, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. Serving the Lord is more important than eating. And it has become even as some as someone has mentioned, it has become an addiction uh, for, for some, and that, that takes the priorities out of whack, and you need to get refocused. Okay, good. All right. Anthony, thank you for your comments tonight. Thanks, Anthony. And for helping no by problem. the controls. We're going to have to double his pay because he's, he's making <laughs> he good comments. And he's yeah, a, he's, he's a, a commentator and an engineer. A uh, uh, dual role. So he gets to, yeah, we'll, we'll double your pay this weekend. Oh, I appreciate it. Maybe yeah. we can go to McDonald's, like you said. <laughs> no, it's, it's, no, 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 double nothing. It's still nothing. <laughs> All right, uh, Dad, thank you for your comments. Thanks, tonight. Jacob. All right, thank you for being on the other end of the line tonight. We hope that you benefited from our discussion and that uh, you will be aware of the uh, temptations uh, in the area of self-control at this time of year. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you, put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 